Welcome to the New Hope Sermon of the Week. We hope you are encouraged by this message by Pastor Tom Sturbins. I want to sort of cut to chase <clears throat> to make a statement that I, I normally, because I'm three weeks late, Father, I love you, and I just invite uh, everyone else into the prayer I already prayed early this morning. Um, may there always be a sense of us coming to the fountain and not seeking to put you in bottles, and, uh, but to splash in the fountain. Every time we gather to worship, may we know your presence, and may we all be open to that. And right now, more than ever, I ask it in your name. Amen. Okay. Um, we normally start the first of the year, the first Sunday of every year, we come to the table of the Lord. Now, we do that every Sunday, but it's on that Sunday that we add a, 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 a sort of a disproportionate emphasis and some teaching, which I hope to do this morning. We'll see if I get there. Um, but I want to say something about this being now the third Sunday of the new year. Uh, we were gone the last one for Christmas, and then the last two, I'd, I had been out with this illness. But this being the third Sunday of the new year, and I thought, wow, Lord, you know, I was coming to 2022 with this high sense of anticipation and excitement and just really a sense of things that I felt the Holy Spirit was speaking to New Hope about this year. I still do. And then to suddenly run headlong before you're even really out of the starting blocks, uh, run into your first obstacle. Uh, I'm tempted to go back and, and teach again on the Red Sea and the people of God coming out. You know, when God said, I'm going to deliver you from, from your bondage here and take you out, only to march right out into the wilderness and run into an obstacle they couldn't, they couldn't get around or get by. And it's like, okay, God, uh, here I am, and now I've, I've hit the wall. Lord, we're, we're three weeks in, and, and this big jump and launch I wanted to have for the first of the year somehow uh, in my own heart has gone away, not church-wide. And, and anybody, anybody ever, you don't have to raise your hand, but anybody ever been there when you're Best laid resolutions for any moment in life, you make them, and all of a sudden that moment comes, and then that moment turns into a moment that you didn't want to be a moment, and a moment turns into a season. But I want to declare to you, still in the midst of whatever weariness and exhaustion, I'll look you right in the face, lift up holy hands of worship, and it won't be long before tears of joy begin to fill my eyes, that I believe this year... At, at, at New Hope Church is going to be a year of jubilee. Next year, I, next week, I'm going to pick up and start teaching what that means from Scripture. But it was a year of absolute, um, absolute relational and worship reset button. It was a provision for the people of God in the Old Testament. And here's the deal. It was supposed to be celebrated once every 50 years or 49 years. And then the 50th year would be the year of Jubilee. But did you know they never celebrated it one time? Not once. Now we're going to pick up on that next week. And why this whole concept of Jubilee is so important. And see how it relates directly to the cross of Christ. Now, here's going to be a difficulty for me this morning. I'm going to enter one of the most, one of the two most complex passages of Scripture in the New Testament. And both of them are found in chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians. The first 16 verses 
is our, a passage of Scripture that has to do with men and women and long hair and short hair that's been endlessly debated. Paul comes to the end of that and says, hey, you know, whatever your concerns are, we don't have a tradition uh, in this, so just, you know, whatever you're going to do, do it. And he sort of almost blows that off. But as you enter verse 17, he comes to a moment, and what is amazing is he's just finished making a comment about what we know to be the first 16 verses. And it's, like I said, it's still one of the most debated theologically, debated passages of Scripture. But Paul comes to the end of that and says, well, whatever your decision on, and it isn't really not a big deal because it's not a huge deal for us. And you think, oh, so Paul is just one of these laid-back kind of guys that really isn't going to speak directly to much. Well, no, that's not the truth, because watch verse 17. I mean, he's just finished saying in verse 16, you know, hey, whatever this is, you know, it'll work itself out. And you think, oh, sort of Kesara, Kesara, Sara, that's the way Paul is. He's a cool guy laid back. Watch verse 17. But in giving the, this instruction, in other words, the instruction that's about to come, but in giving this instruction, I do not praise you because you come together for the, not for the better, but for the worse. Can you imagine the guy showing up and saying, your, your efforts at coming together here, you'd be, matter of fact, how can I, how should I say, well, it's like this. You'd be better off if you didn't bother. Can you believe that Paul is showing up and telling the Corinthian church? Now, what you need to notice about this passage of Scripture <clears throat> is critical. That Paul is addressing the body. Watch. But in giving this instruction, I do not praise you because you come together not for the better, but for the worse. And you may think this is an elementary question, but it's a critical question due to the way we read a verse that comes about six or eight verses later and the way we use that verse to beat ourselves to death. Paul is speaking to the body, that is the church. Everybody get that? He says, you all, the body of Christ, that's a phrase he uses, okay? He's speaking to them. That is, I can't emphasize that enough. He's speaking to the church because there's a, I'm sort of hurrying to get to one point as we come to the table of the Lord and ask for New Hope Church on this third Sunday of the new year that we come today and, Father, we want that reset that comes at the table of the Lord. That's what we're praying for. We want that reset that comes at the table of the Lord. But watch. <laughs> For in the first place, when you come together, see verse 18, as a church. Remember, he's talking to the body. I want to keep telling you this, and you can say, we get it, bro. You said it ten times already. I'm going to keep saying it, and you're going to see where, you, where we get ambushed in this passage. I hear that divisions exist among you, and I in part believe it. He's writing to the body, right? The church. Because he said that. As a church, when you come together. Verse 19. So there must also be factions among you so that those who are approved may come, become evident among you. Complex verse. Therefore, when you meet together, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. See, he, he introduces something here. And <clears throat> have you ever walked up and caught somebody and you've heard only one half of a telephone conversation and you've already drawn all sorts of conclusions based on that half of the telephone conversation, but you have no idea what's being said in that person's ear? If you've never done that, I have one observation. I have several. Let me start with this. If you've never done that, you're not married. Okay? We're listening in on a telephone conversation. We're reading one half of a letter. We don't know the other half. As a matter of fact, some many theologians feel that the collections of 1st and 2nd Corinthians may be as many as five letters. Most think it's three combined into two. 
But they say of this over and over, one of the problems is we don't know what he's responding to in so many situations. So watch this. Therefore, when you meet together, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, each one takes his own supper first. One is hungry and another is drunk. Now, there's a fun, real fun departure here. I, I won't labor over it. But what he's saying is, watch verse 21, we have a problem in the body. You guys are treating coming to the table to the Lord as this feast, yet you're still bringing in all of your old baggage from before you were born again. And what does he mean? There's something implied in this passage that you just have to become familiar with other literature. But they are bringing in the same kind of social structure that they live in. In other words, I'm more wealthy than you, therefore I get a better table or a better seat. James chapter 2, the first 13 verses, deals with this exhaustively. James chapter 2, read it when you go home. He offers the instructions about, you say to this one, sit here, this other one, stand here. Because you have more money, you go here. You do the, it's that same kind of thing that Paul is addressing here. Verse 21, for you're eating, each one takes his own supper first. He says, you're looking for your, out for yourself. One is hungry and another one's drunk. One, one's hungry and the other one here is just drunk to overflowing. And he says, that is, you're missing. He said, and that's why he said, you'd be better off not coming together because you treat this act of worship as if it's, you're missing the entire point of it all. He says, what, explanation point, do you not have houses in which to eat and drink or do you despise the church of God, shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? In this, I will not praise you. How many know that Paul needs a little help here and being a little more positive, right? I am not going to praise you. See, we live in a culture today where everybody gets a prize. You get a prize for waking up. The problem is that's not the real world. No matter when Paul says, I press on towards the prize, if there were no pressing involved in the acquiring, he wouldn't say, I press on. The prize won't find you, beloved. We press. We follow. We pursue God. Now, watch this. Wherever he is or is not headed, we can gain some insight by looking ahead to verse 33. Watch this. Let me read verse 22. Do you not have houses in which to eat and drink? Hannah, I'm getting ready to go straight to verse 33. Or do you despise the church of God? Shame those who have nothing. What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? In this, I will not praise you. Then if we could, leap ahead real quickly. So then, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. Everybody see the connection right there? If what he's saying in verse 22 and what he's saying in verse 33 go together, we can assume that whatever's in between is the pathway to get from one to the other. He's not talking about something different. He's still talking to the body. I'm headed to, a, to, one, to one place, and unfortunately, I'm having to move past many others, okay? Okay. Back to verse 20, um, I'm sorry, verse 29, uh, verse 23, back to 23, forgive me. For I received, by the way, one of the issues with this exhaustion is like holding thoughts. And you say, dude, that just describes most any sermon you preach. I get that. But it's worse right now. And Brenda's not here on the front row, she's over there. So I don't have any of the, it really is an exaggeration for me to turn and say, what did I just say? When normally she's sitting there mouthing what it is I'm thinking that I just said, and it helps. For I received from the Lord, verse 23, that which, watch what happens here. 
Right after that, he said, verse 22, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. By the way, whenever you read for, you need to find out what it's there for. All right? For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. I love this passage. He says, in the night in which he was betrayed. He just sort of drops it off on the way by. But the principle here is this. This is a reminder of the most extreme provision of redemption for the most extreme point of violation and failure. Let me just say this. This one verse is worthy of an entire sermon on the power of of forgiveness and the power of unforgiveness. When it says here, I received from the Lord that which I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, comma, in the night in which he was betrayed took the bread and broke it, and he goes on to say, and if we read the passage, that this body is my body and my blood and is a provision for you. What do we learn from that? In the moments that we are most betrayed, in the moments that we are taken advantage of, will we respond with redemption to betrayal? And you say, I don't have the strength in me. The good news is, is we get it from that table right there. One of the many benefits is that table gives you the strength to forgive. Because there's no way you can come to that table without accepting it. And you say, Father, what I drink of and, and what I partake here today in a fresh fashion. Because this is supposed to be a somewhat frequent expression of worship where we come and we infuse ourselves and say, Father, may the blood of Jesus Christ, may the forgiveness that flowed from the cross of Christ erasing the penalty of my sin, may the power of that blood now in a fresh way fill my heart and soul and may I forgive and release in like fashion. That's powerful stuff, guys. <laughs> Okay, now, verse 24, when he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body. Uh Uh-oh, here comes that word, this is my body. How many know he's not talking about the church right there, right? Watch it, when you read this passage, because a lot of us, under the sound of my voice, and many in this room, grew up in church, and we heard one verse at the table of the Lord time, or communion time, or Eucharist, or whatever you call it, and that verse is coming here in a moment, okay? He broke it and said, this is my body, this do for you in remembrance of me. Now, how many know we're confused already because he's talking about the body, and now he's talking about the body, but the body is the bread and the cup he's referring, or the the body of Jesus Christ. In the same way, he took the cup also saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is part of his body. So now he's saying, not only is the church the body, I'm the body, but that's the body. See, you see all the ways he's using the word body? And number four is getting ready to happen. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So let us remember, that he's just saying, let us remember the death of the Lamb of God that points back to one of two significant places. Watch. In the Old Testament, I'm going to, do, I'm going to skip by this for today, if you'll allow me, because this is going to land squarely in the teaching of Jubilee and how there's a lamb, a sacrifice of a lamb still in, in uh, the Orthodox uh, and, and rabbinical worship, Jewish worship. There still is the Day of Atonement and the Passover that they celebrate. Those are the times of the year when a lamb is conspicuously sacrificed, the lamb of Passover and the lamb of atonement. Two different sacrifices, two different lambs. But in the New Testament, we learn from the writing of the gospel writers and Paul that Jesus becomes where both lambs meet as one. He's not only the lamb of Passover that got me out of the land of bondage, but he is the lamb of atonement that gets me into the land of promise. Everybody got that? And Jesus is both of those. Mount, what a powerful provision. We're going to come back to that next week. So now, um, let me skip skip past that. For as often as you do this, verse 26, eat this bread, drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. 
Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord, here it comes, verse 27, in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body, okay, shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. You have to ask every time, which body is being talked about? Well, right here he says, you're guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. That's a huge statement, that you're you're being judged by the fact that you really haven't accepted it. But watch the language when it says to eat in an unworthy manner. Now, for those of us that grew up in church, this is the verse. This is the one. Today, as you come to the table of the Lord, you need to know that if you have sin in your life, you, you, you don't need to come here. Because you come in an unworthy manner. Can I ask, can I just go ahead and ask you this? This is a sincere question. What do you think makes you worthy to come here? Answer that for yourself. What do you think makes you worthy? The fact that you didn't say that swear word that you're trying to quit swearing, particularly at people in traffic at Sevierville. Um... Or that your eyes went one more time where they shouldn't have gone. Men, listen to me. And you come in here this morning and now you're not worthy to come to the table of the Lord. You're worthy to come to the table of the Lord because of the blood of the Lamb. Because of what's at the table. So when he says, come and take, don't drink of it in an unworthy fashion, our posture is, Father, I want the full worth of whatever this represented, not just in this little cup and the piece of bread, but what this represents and how Scripture, some in some mystery. Matter of fact, we will do that series this year. The 21 times Paul uses the word mystery because that's where we're going to be living this year, on the edge of mystery. Can, remind me to come back to the table of the Lord, but I need to tell you this. Please listen, just this week, and the, needless, the neat thing about this downtime is, Lord, I said... I want us to be a church of revelation. It was like the Holy Spirit spoke back to me and said, do you even understand what that is? And I thought, well, yeah, I do. And then there was something chipped fresh that I think it was the Holy Spirit whispered to me. That revelation is used in Scripture. Watch this. Is the point at which the Holy Spirit, the, whole, the point at which the Holy Spirit, um, uh, through encounter with the Holy Spirit, He brings me beyond the power of normal human observational capacity. You say, well, that's a bunch of words. It's not worded quite that. It's what's better than that. But here's the point. The Lord is reminding me afresh in a powerful way. Every time you gather, please be aware of the fact that I know you showed up to preach. We've showed up to sing, to worship. But I've also shown up. And whatever it is you're doing, I'll always be doing something just a little bit beyond that. So cultivate a consciousness where people can hear beyond the words you're saying and beyond the songs you're singing. So we're going to be looking at that. And that's where we intersect with mystery. And so we come to the table of the Lord today and this wonderful thing. But here's the thing I'm wanting to land on that troubles me deeply. It brought tears to my eyes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread, verse 27 again, drinks at the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. By the way, Ephesians 2 tells us that for grace, by grace you've been saved through faith, that not of yourself, but it's a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one can boast. In other words, we don't come to the table of the Lord based on any worth of our own, but the worth he provided, okay? The word unworthy means a failure to weigh. It's the word for scale. 
the full power of the possibilities of the blood of the Lamb. Don't make this a casual thing. Verse 28, but a man must examine himself. Okay, what, what, what? This is individual now. Remember, body, 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 body. But a man must examine himself. Watch. And so doing, he is eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Well, what kind of examination are we supposed to examine about myself? Now, hold on that question. For he who eats and drinks, drinks judgment to himself if he does not judge the body rightly. What body? My body? All through this, he's been talking about the body of Christ. As a matter of fact, 1 Corinthians 10, I don't know that I sent these to you, Hannah. 1 Corinthians 10, which comes before 1 Corinthians 11. I'm not being cute or condescending. I'm, watch. Verse 16, is it not, is not the cup of blessing which we bless a sharing in the blood of Christ? Is not the bread which we break a sharing in the body of Christ? Since, watch, there is one bread and we who are many are one body. He's talking about it in, verse, in chapter 10, for we all partake of one bread. And in chapter 11, not only does he point back to chapter 10, but he points forward to chapter 12, listen to verse 20. But now there are many members, but... One body. Here's the thing that hit me this morning in a way that I had never thought of it, and I've taught this passage a hundred times. He says, when you come to the table of the Lord, judge the body. Let me show you what else it says after that. By the way, I've mentioned here four times that he, uh, how he mentions body. And blood. I'll send you these notes. Just email me, Tom at New Hope Online. Verse 30, watch what immediately follows this, okay? Verse 29, for he who eats and drinks, drinks in judgment to himself, who does not judge the body rightly. Paul has shown up and judged the body, and he said the whole basis of you gathering together misses the power of the cross and the possibilities of healing that that may bring because you come in casually thinking this is a social engagement, but it's not. See, that's why Jesus starts his ministry in the opening two chapters of John. He goes to the temple of the Lord, and the first public thing he does is come in, and he, said, he turns over all the tables, and he says, you have a place in the market for business as usual. Beloved, the house of the Lord is not a place for business as usual. Please hear me. It's not a place where you will show up at New Hope and say, we have this down to a 58-minute and 30-second format, and we're going to go through this. We've come to seek the presence of the Lord. We've come in to say, Father, in this place, we do business like we do business no place else, but our hope is we'll do business with you in here. We will take beyond the walls, and it'll affect how we do business out there. Watch this. Believe me, beloved, please hear me. My voice is about gone. God is saying, do not let business as usual infect the business of your worship. But, it, I would, but in fact, may it be so infectious that the business of worship goes out and infects business as usual in your life. But watch what he says. He says, your failure to assess the body. Look at this. But if we are judged, we would, uh, we would not be judged uh, so then, my brethren, as you come to eat, remember I skipped together for that? I skipped ahead to that? Wait for one another. If anyone is hungry... Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. I skipped too far ahead. Verse 29, and I'll end right here. Verse 29, where he says, you eat and drink judgment. Look at verse 30. For this reason. 
For this reason, many among you are weak and sick and a number sleep. The last two or three days have been tough. I can already answer the questions, and I, or I, I can provide answers. But as I stand at the front of the new year and I come prepare to come to the table of the Lord, whatever issues you may think you did or have in your life, unconfessed sin, this is a moment to confess it. Take care of it right now. Right where you sit. Something you did this week, this month, something that comes to mind that you think has gotten in between you and God, and it will. Deal with it right where you sit, right now. Right now. Right now. Father, it's yours. I confess it. Unforgiveness, anger, what, what, just whatever it may be. Get, get it so, so it's off the table. Because you're getting ready to come to the table of the Lord, and you need to have your heart clear so you can make a sound expression as part of the body. Because he says the greatest realization of coming to the table of the Lord is not what you'll appropriate individually, but what will come from you as a body. We come to the table of the Lord as individual members, but we merge and come out on the other side as this one. And Is anybody getting the picture of this this morning? But here's the question. Those who fail to assess the body, he says, for this reason, some sleep. I don't know who's here this morning, so I can't see faces. I don't know if Mike Ogle's here. I don't know if Pat Hodge is here. I can't see who's here. I know that um, Hans is here, who lost brother to COVID. I know Mason's here. Over the last year, we've had many deaths reflecting culture. Last Sunday, a precious brother and a friend. You sit right back here. Tom Hodge, and he went home to be with the Lord as a result of the COVID-induced pneumonia or issues with breathing. And so I'm, I'm thinking, Father, are they asleep because of us? Who do we want to be as a church? What sacrifice are we willing to make? I will get emails in response to that question because I, I understand the depth of penetration and the potential absolute guilt orientation of that question. But that's not how I'm approaching it. I'm saying, Father, I want, to, I want to come to the table of the Lord. I walk up here. As an individual participant and member. But as I partake of this little piece of bread. that is hermetically sealed and unable to be digested for 1,000 years.
But Father, as I partake of this, this morning, the picture in my mind, I wish I had a way, Father, of painting it or graphically presenting that all of us as individuals walk to the table of the Lord to wait on you to wrap our one thread of hope into the strength of the rope of your existence. But we walk away as one body, not individuals. You intend for the many to come together and the power of the one body to change things. And God, in this season, I want to see blind eyes open. I want to see the deaf ear and the dead live. The mute speak and the lame walk. And your body is one that said, if you'll examine yourself. So we come today as a church. We have taken care of our own private business. Lord, you've heard the prayers of many of us in this room. We've got that swept away. Today we come as a church to wait together to wrap ourselves into you so that we may be to the world what the world needs, that we may be a source of hope and help and healing, comfort in 2022 like we've never been. Stand to your feet right now. Thank you for joining us for the New Hope Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast or other resources, visit newhopeonline.com.